Hello and welcome to Accent of Women, a show by and about women from diverse cultures and languages right across the world. I'm Giselle Hanna. This is the first program that I've made under the state of lockdown. As a result of producing this show from my home, the sound quality is not exactly how I would have wanted it, but I'll keep updating my home workspace so that I can continue to bring you the voices of women of colour in struggle right across the world. On Sunday the 19th of April, I participated in an international Zoom meeting called Toward a Global Prison Abolitionist Movement. It was organised by the Alliance of Middle East and North African Socialists. The intention of the discussion was to offer an overview of the prison and refugee camp populations and situations in the US, in Syria and in Iran. The panel addressed some of the key obstacles to the formation of a global prison abolitionist movement and offered ways of overcoming them to present ideas about an alternative to the capitalist, carceral and authoritarian system. The panel included three speakers and a chair. Today's program of Accent of Women only includes one of those speakers from the United States, and that is Romarilyn Rolston. Romarilyn is introduced here by the panel chair, Shiam Gallion from the Alliance of Middle East and North African Socialists. Hi everyone, my name is Shiam Gallion. I am a member of the Alliance of Middle Eastern Socialists and the Communications Coordinator at War Sisters League. On behalf of the Alliance of Middle Eastern Socialists, I want to welcome you to today's conversation uh, toward a global prison abolitionist movement. Um, thank you so much to everyone who has co-sponsored this event. Um, we like please check out uh, their work um, as uh, you know we are all uh, working together towards uh, our common goals. Um, I want to take a moment uh, just to acknowledge uh, the moment that we're in today with the COVID-19 pandemic. Uh, we appreciate you being here with us today as so many of our communities are dealing with crisis after crisis due to the COVID-19 pandemic. One of these communities are our friends and family and peers who are inca incarcerated in the United States and around the world. COVID-19 has created a unique and imminent health threat for folks in prison. In the United States, the CDC recommends that people stand six feet away from each other, wear protective masks, uh, and to take special care towards vulnerable populations, uh, people with pre-existing health conditions and people over the age of 60. Those recommendations are not being followed in prison. Uh, inmates do not have protective gear, are physically unable to maintain a distance of six feet away from each other, um, and there are many reports of guards who are not wearing their own protective gear when interacting with inmates. This naturally poses a threat to people with pre-existing conditions uh, and people who are over 60. Around the world, abolitionists and, and the advocates of family members who are incarcerated are asking for the release of prisoners and are facing common struggles against the backdrop of their own unique context. Uh, joining us today to talk about these common struggles uh, and to tell us more about the context that they're doing this work in um, are Romarilyn Ralston, 
who is the program director of Project Rebound at California State University, Fullerton, a program that supports the higher education and successful reintegration of the formerly incarcerated. She served 23 years at the California Institution for Women and is a longtime member and organizer with the California Coalition for Women Prisoners, CCWP, which she'll tell us more about. Incarcerated at 24 and released at 47, Romerilyn has seen and survived the effects of extreme sentencing and medical neglect in prison. Since her release, Romerilyn was a Women's Policy Institute Fellow, a, vo a volunteer with the Ferguson Commission, and an organizer with the formerly incarcerated Convicted People and Families Movement, FICPFM, uh, which was a voting rights campaign in Florida. Romerilyn is a prison abolitionist, tirelessly advocating for the women she left behind in prison in California, many serving life without the possibility of parole. Thank you so much. I am very excited to be a part of this international panel today discussing toward a global prison abolitionist movement. Thank you, Frida, for inviting me. I thank you, everyone who are, who's joining us today for this conversation. And thank you to all the sponsors, especially the Alliance of Middle Eastern Socialists. My name is Romarilyn Ralston. I'm an organizer and activist with the California Coalition for Women Prisoners in Southern California. California Coalition for Women Prisoners is a grassroots social justice organization that challenges the institutional violence imposed on women, transgender people, and communities of color by the prison industrial complex. The work of the California Coalition for Women Prisoners began in 1995 by organizers inside of California's largest women's prison surrounding a demand for health care. Our work has taken on an abolitionist framework over the past 10 years, working in a community and coalition with organizations across California, uh, such as CURB, California's United for a Responsible Budget, Critical Resistance, Smart Justice, the Anti-Death Penalty Coalition, and Survived and Punished, and others in an effort to liberate people from captivity, cages, and the carceral state. We believe prisons are inhumane structures within our society. Prisons are and has always been anti-poor, anti-queer, ableist, anti-black, and capitalist. The U.S. has the largest prison population in the world, covering at 2.3 million people. The average incarceration rate for Blacks per 100,000 is 1,408, while the incarceration rate for Whites in the U.S. is 275 per 100,000 nationally. So we know that the conditions we face here in prison and the number of people who are incarcerated are disproportionately brown and black people, which creates a very racist criminal justice system. African Americans are incarcerated in state prisons at a rate 
that is five to one the times of the imprisonment of whites. In five states, Iowa, Minnesota, New Jersey, Vermont, and Wisconsin, the disparity is more than 10 to one. In 12 states, more than half of the prison population is black. Those states are Alabama, Delaware, Georgia, Illinois, Louisiana, Maryland, Michigan, Mississippi, New Jersey, North Carolina, South Carolina, and Virginia. And Maryland, whose prison population is 72% African-American, tops the nation. What do prisons have to do with COVID-19 pandemic? First, Health officials have warned us that prisons and detention centers provide ideal incubation conditions for the rapid spread of COVID-19. Here in California, there are approximately 120,000 vulnerable people confined in what could become death camps. As of yesterday, the California Department of Corrections and Rehabilitation reports 650 COVID tests have been performed with 115 incarcerated people testing positive as well as 88 infected staff. And they also report zero deaths due to COVID-19. One thing we know for sure is that these numbers have not peaked yet. And these may not be accurate numbers we're relying on the state to provide us with an accurate number of the conditions inside prisons, spaces that are removed from society that have very little oversight and where people have very little access to those of us who have been incarcerated. Across the country in states like Illinois, Michigan, Louisiana and Ohio, they've all reported numbers of infections, uprisings and deaths. The COVID-19 pandemic has reached all of us. And some of the most vulnerable people are locked up in cages across this country. Let's not forget that prisons in the US are disproportionately black. Most of the statistics coming from the Center for Disease Control report that African-Americans, elderly, those with chronic illnesses, and those with compromised immune systems are most vulnerable. These are the people that we have locked up inside of our prisons. Many state governors have released hundreds of nonviolent or medically ill incarcerated people. And here in California, there's been a release of 3,500. Well, I'll say that there's been an early release of 3,500 incarcerated people, which is basically just a reprieve of a few weeks to a couple of months of release. These are not new releases. So this is not a really big grandstand on the part of California to get behind reducing infection rates within our prisons. The folks that have been released so far were people coming out anyway. The work of the California Coalition 
for women prisoners and other organizations across the state is demanding that others get released, not just those already close to the gate, already close to parole, but those who are vulnerable. As we know, those who are elderly, those who have chronic illnesses, and those who have compromised immune systems. Internationally, there are reports of releases in Spain and Iran, as well as uprisings across the UK. We are witnessing a global movement of prison abolitionists, family members, and organizers around the world, demanding that our authoritativeness governments decarcerate to save lives. As Ruth Wilson Gilmore says, where life is precious, life is precious. I want to remind us all that long before the widespread of COVID-19, anti-prison activists and organizers have been working on solutions to end mass incarceration, to change sentencing, to promote clemency, commutation, and penal closings. However, now more than ever, considering the COVID-19 pandemic, we must all work together for a global abolitionist movement, no matter how lengthy or hard. Again, I quote Ruth Wilson Gilmore, abolition is presence and abolition is law. CCWP, the California Coalition for Women Prisoners has responded to the COVID-19 pandemic in a number of ways over the past couple of weeks. We've organized locally and across the state holding a variety of activities and events from car protests to writing to the governor, wardens, our legislators, all demanding that they provide incarcerated people with the appropriate personal protective equipment, that they're allowed to shower regularly, that they are receiving meals, cleaning supplies, and access to exercise. The reports that we are receiving from our members inside of prison has been horrendous. Folks are reporting that they're not getting cleaning supplies, that they're, they don't have access to yard, that they're not coming out of their cells, that there are reports of folks inside sick. So there's such a contradiction of what we're seeing reported on the website of the California Department of Corrections and Rehabilitation and what we're receiving from our members inside. So that's what's going on here in California. We're working really hard in collaboration and coalition with organizations across the state to make sure that our loved ones come home and while they're there, that we hold our legislators and our government responsible for their lives and on community radio stations right across Australia, you're listening to Accent of Women. Today's program is a recording of an international Zoom meeting held on April 19, called Toward a Global Prison Abolitionist Movement, organised by the Alliance of Middle East and North African Socialists. The speaker we're listening to is Romarilyn Rolston, and the panel chair is Shiam Gallion. What are the connections?
intersections between capitalism, racism, sexism, authoritarianism, and the carceral system. Um, connections between capitalism, racism, sexism, patriarchy, you know, it's here, you know, in the U.S., you know, it's, it's all economic, you know, it's, it's all about money. The prison system is all about profit. It's not about public safety. Uh, we know that prisons, you know, uh, don't deter crime. Uh, we live in, within a society that, you know, is rooted in the more money you have, the more privilege you have, the more access to resources you have. So those tensions are created uh, against certain regimes and certain people to help keep the majority of us, people of color, you know, suffering and struggling. And then those who are suffering and struggling are then criminalized for that suffering and struggling. So, you know, it's, I think most of us know that these connections to the prison system is classist as well. You know, those who have means to afford attorneys and good representation buy their way out of charges. We see it every day in the news. We see politicians, we see athletes, we see entertainers. Uh, we see a lot of folks with privilege and power, including at the, at the top you know, with our federal government, uh, buying their way out of criminal ac accusations and serving time. Yet while those of us who are at the bottom continue to be exploited and, you know, locked up and violated. Um, I, I think, you know, this is just all, all about, again, you know, how to make money off of bodies. You know, that's that's the basis of the prison system. When I was incarcerated myself, you know, I worked for pennies on a dollar. I worked for eight cents an hour, for 17 cents an hour. Uh, the most I made was 37 cents an hour while I was incarcerated. So it is absolutely ludicrous you know, that folks are treated this way inside. So when something like this happens, this meeting, COVID-19, you know, folks don't have the resources and supports to buy what they need and the state doesn't provide it. Here in California, again, it's all about profit. It costs about $90,000 to incarcerate one adult, one semi-healthy adult and very little supplies and support is offered to a person inside. Incarcerated people who have more than $25 on their accounts are forced to pay for medical care or access to medical care, hygiene products, washing powder, toothpaste, soap, shampoo, conditioner, all of these things that help to promote health and wellness. And this just started a year ago because of some of the work of California Coalition for Women Prisoners and other organizations who helped to pass.
$25. For decades, it was $1. If incarcerated people had less, had a dollar or more on their accounts, they were forced to basically take care of themselves. But yet the public thinks that the prison system takes care of people inside. That's why these places are petri dishes, breeding grounds uh, for infection and illness. And because people can't afford to have access to health care, they don't get it. Many incarcerated people enter the prison system with chronic illnesses and poor health. And so when you don't have the money to access care inside, then you don't go. You're forced to work. You're forced to produce products and services for the state. The prison regime for most, for on, on a regular day, doesn't care if you're sick. Everyone inside of these prisons want out. So we work when we're sick, we work when we're well, we work when we're depressed, we work when we are not depressed because we're trying to get back to our families. We are crushed under the weight of the prison system when we're inside. So it's all about profit. How much work can we get out of this body? How can we exploit this body? How can we control this body? And not just that, it extends. That's what the prison industrial complex is all about. It extends to our communities and to our loved ones and family members. The cost of phone calls, the cost of care packages, the cost of visiting, the humiliation and exploitation that our family members go through when they want to just stay in communication and in relationship with us inside. It is a tyrannical system that needs to be abolished. It's about domination, control, labor, and empire building. So all of these connections, you know, is, these are inter, intersectional connections. And it crosses race, it crosses class, it crosses gender, you know, and, you know, orange is the new black, green is the new black. Green, is, it has always been what this is all about. Profit, profit, profit. So I think those connections is what really drives abolitionist work. It really drives the work of the California Coalition for Women Prisoners. It, it drives our volunteers on the outside. We support our members inside uh, so that they can survive this beast. That's how I survived incarceration with the support of people on the outside helping me. Otherwise, I was doomed. So we know that the prison system is not built to correct anything. You know, why it's called the Department of Corrections, I, I, I don't know. You know, it destroys people's minds, it destroys our communities, and, um, you know, I'll just leave it there. That was Romarilyn Ralston, Program Director of Project Rebound at California State University. That's a program that supports the higher education and successful reintegration of the formerly incarcerated. And that's all we have time for on today's program of Accent of Women. 
Accent of Women is ordinarily produced in the Melbourne studios of Community Radio 3CR. However, due to the COVID-19 pandemic and the stay-at-home directive, today's program was produced from my home study using 3CR's equipment. I know that the sound quality was less than what could be produced in a studio, and I assure listeners it's a work in progress. I want to especially thank the staff at 3CR for their assistance in making sure that this program could still go to air during this interesting period in our history. Accent of Women receives financial assistance from the Community Broadcasting Foundation. The show is distributed nationally via the Community Radio Network with special thanks to the Community Broadcasting Association of Australia. If you want to get in touch with the producers of the show, you can write to us at accentofwomen at gmail.com. You can also follow us on Twitter or like our page on Facebook. If you want to hear this show again or any of our previous programs, you can download the podcast from 3CR's website. That's 3cr.org.au. Go to the Accent of Women page and follow the links to this week's show. Thanks for tuning in. I'm Giselle Hanna and I look forward to your company again next week.